brought to you by Elevate Uplift. You're listening to Rooted in Healing. I'm your host, Meg Sunga. On today's episode, we're exploring the history behind Elevate Uplift with four of its coalition members, Mira Youssef, Nicole Matthews, Kat Fribley, and Carla Vierteller. We're going to learn how this coalition got started, what the Sadie Project is, and why it's so important. Get to know each of the four member organizations involved and share how all of this work inspired the creation for this brand new podcast. Let's get started. Welcome everyone to Rooted in Healing. We are so excited to be doing this very first episode with you all. We are so, so happy you're here and I have four fantastic women joining me today. Um, Let's go to Mira to help us kick off introductions. Hi, hello everyone. Mira Yusuf. I'm with... um... Monsoon Asians and Pacific Islanders in Solidarity, but also with the National Organization of Asians and Pacific Islanders Ending Sexual Violence. I'm the executive of Monsoon and one of the staff of NAPISA. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Mira. Let's uh, jump to Nicole. Good afternoon, everyone. Manidu Baneshikwe Indigenakaz, Mikazi Dodeng. Um, greetings, relatives. My English name is Nicole Matthews, and my Indian name is Spirit Bird Woman. I'm Anishinaabe. My people are from the White Earth Band of Ojibwe, and I'm the executive director of the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Thank you so much for being here today, Nicole. Uh, our friend Kat, go ahead. Hi there. Uh, Super excited to be here with you and to start this process together. Um, My name is Kat Fridley. I'm a white, queer, fat, Midwestern femme uh, who works for the Resource Sharing Project. Um, I've been doing this um, for over 20 years now in hopes of being able to serve uh, survivors and folks through capacity building uh, and support to those working to end sexual violence across the country um, through the resource resource sharing project. Thank you so much, Kat. And last but not least, Carla. Hello, everyone. Uh, My name is Carla Viertoller. I am the Advocacy and Resources Director at the National Sexual Violence Resource Center. Uh, I use she, her. and I'm super excited to be here. And I always hate uh, following Kat because <laughs> she's such a good speaker. Thank you, Carla. Thank you, Kat. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Mira, for joining me today. Who, and this is one of those like big questions, y'all. So just whoever wants to kick it off. But what is Elevate Uplift? I think for the listeners um, listening to the show who are new to this work or maybe even some old timers, I don't know if everyone knows what Elevate Uplift is. So what is it? Well, I can start. Um, happy to start that conversation. Um, Elevate Uplift is really a, um, a beautiful partnership between many 
national technical assistance organizations um, across the country. So um, many who all also worked on the sexual assault demonstration initiative, initiative and we learned a lot through those, um, through that work. And so Elevate Uplift grew from all of those learnings, all of those lessons that we had um, and, you know, things that we, we weren't just teaching during the Sadie. We were, we were learning a lot ourselves about our own work and about the work of our movement and how we should be um, working together. And some of what we've talked about with Elevate Uplift is that the process is the product. We've talked a lot about the process being the product and how um, our work has really been in deep partnership and relationship with each other. So, yeah, turn it over to someone else. I just was reflecting, Nicole, on what you were saying about the, you know, we, um, it's about being in deep partnership and it's about um, um, hoping that we can be in deep partnership with many folks across the country who are doing this work. And I think that was also part of the core of what Elevate Uplift was wanting to do was to create conversations with folks across the country who are wanting to make sure that their services are rooted in healing, right? Who are wanting to figure out new ways forward because the demonstration initiative was about new ways forward and Elevate Uplift took that and like to the next level, right? This is about new ways forward because the more we learned, the more we realized we had to completely reimagine and re-envision. And most of that came through making really big mistakes, <laughs> just to be clear. Like we would make mistakes, we would realize, oh, this is a really bad practice or we weren't thinking about these things and we need to. And so Elevate Uplift was about, I think also trying to create a space for all of us to have those authentic, vulnerable conversations about how we are serving survivors and our communities and how we are helping to create a world that interrupts sexual violence. I, I really love um, the way that you stated it, Kat and Nicole, about how it's about the mistakes as well, right? Because I think we have this tendency to hide those but as a matter of fact, we want to get them out. So then it becomes more, I think there is then this vulnerability that we show in order for us to do this work. Because um, for me, when you are, when I'm thinking about sexual assault victims and survivors, that they have this vulnerability of like disclosure. So in a lot of ways, what we do is we also practice in sharing that vulnerability by stating by stating like we made a mistake and these are the ways that we can then uh, make it better, right? So I think Elevate Uplift for me, it's one of those spaces that we are allowed, celebrated mistakes and then at the same time, make it like, okay, let, let's tweak it to make it better. And stay in relationship with each other, right? Like this is Kat and Meg, I'm not sure how much we're supposed no, to like you, sort of jump absolutely. in on each other. But that, I mean, that's part of what is, I think, so important and um, and for me, um, rewarding is the fact that 
all four of our organizations and now five really of our organizations as we continue to transition, acknowledge mistakes that we have made and like figure out new ways forward. A, a deep part of it has been about naming the places where we need to be accountable mm. for past mistakes, figuring out new ways forward, but always staying in community, always staying in relationship. Um, even when we like, we don't even know what our next step is. We don't know how to move forward with each other, but we know that we're not walking mm -hmm. away from each other, if that makes sense. We're still figuring out how to do that. And to me, that is, I think, deeply about what you were saying, Nicole, about the process being the product, right? Like the process is literally about examining multiracial, organizational um, partnerships and dynamics in ways that also allow us to examine and live into what community-based organizing and services can look like when there are similar, similar collaborative um, and better collaborative um, kinds of efforts. I think everybody said it really, really well. Um, so I won't repeat um, what was already stated. The only thing I would add is I think um, we have all been national training and technical assistance providers for many, many years. And what we wanted to do differently with this project was create deeper relationships, not only with each other, but with the people that we serve. Um, and to talk to them about how creating relationships within their community will strengthen their sexual assault services for survivors. Um, and then also finally, um, not finally, but also recognizing that racial justice work along with all anti-oppression work must be part of the effort to end and to end sexual violence and serve sexual assault survivors. They cannot be separate. Um, and that work is not surface. So our relationships can't be surface. Thank you. Thank you so much, Carla. And thank you, everybody, for awesome answers. Um, I want to go back to uh, something that was mentioned earlier, the Sadie Project. Um, when I was doing my research for Elevate Uplift, I kept on coming back to the Sadie Project, and that stands for the Sexual Assault Demonstration Initiative. I want to know, and I want the listeners to know, what is the Sadie Project, and how did it inform what Elevate Uplift is now? I can jump in here and say, like, Originally, it was a project that was conceived of, I think, by the Resource Sharing Project and the National Sexual Violence Resource Center. And part of where um, we, um, I, and I love that you're like, hey, let's tease the next episode already, because it's really hard, right, to talk about how we mm -hmm. got to where we are without talking about all the things Absolutely. that got us to where we are. And so one of the things that, um, you know, as we have been internally having these conversations and externally having these conversations, we went into the Sexual Assault Demonstration Initiative, which, you know, we all, all sort of shorthand as Sadie, as you have heard, like thinking that it was really about um, how survivors of sexual violence needed something um, to be different in their communities about um, their services and about how many 
dual and multi-service sexual assault and domestic violence programs told us they felt like they didn't have capacity, money, understanding, skills to get at the needs of sexual assault survivors in their communities outside of the context of domestic violence. And so we went into it thinking, oh, that's what we're doing, right? We are figuring out how um, those dual and multi-service organizations can meaningfully address sexual assault uh, outside of the context of domestic violence. And man, did we learn some stuff. And the very first thing that we learned is um, when we put together even the concept of that without including black organizations, Native American organizations, um, uh, sort of Latina and Pacific Islander organizations. Like there is no way that it was going to be responsive to the needs of all survivors. Right. And so as uh, the project moved forward and in our work with the Office on Violence Against Women who funded it, the collect the, this this partnership right of the RSP and the NSVRC staff it by its very nature needed to get bigger it needed to grow because that's what's necessary you know to address this and what I just am so cognizant of is the desire to be able to go back and do things with the 2020 sort of mm-hmm. like hindsight that you have to completely reimagine because wow, would I have completely like hoped that we could reimagine together even how it began yeah. and how it started. What it did do though was bring us right here mm-hmm. with each other. And I'm so grateful for that. Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah, I love what you said. And and you know, I I always believe like there are no mistakes, right? Like we got here because of um lessons that we learned and um sometimes painful lessons and um and and through the Sadie project, you know, it was a big lesson in you can't just take anything and and fit into all communities, right? Because when so many of the principles of Sadie did, don't work for tribal communities and don't work for other communities of color. And, um, and so it, it was also a big lesson in um, how, you know, many of our communities, tribal communities, um, communities of color have been held up and have tried um, to always live in, you know, lean into values that are not ours, practices that are not Mm -hmm. ours, um, standards that are not ours. Um, And we even, you know, had through the Sadie Project actually had a convening with um, Indigenous uh, women and Indigenous people and communities of color to talk about that. How do we come together in solidarity with each other? um, And how do we shift that how do we make change so that we're not always living up to someone else's standards i I think that is one of the um for me like the uh the big thing that really came out of the sadie project is how we cannot like culturally specific programs tribal programs cannot replicate mainstream ways because it doesn't it doesn't fit right so i think that is really a big for me it's like it's just it's just like uh, this, almost a, what is the word? It's a validation. It, va- it almost like, even though we don't need validation from white folks, 
it's just this validating that that our work matters. The work of uh, tribal and BIPOC communities are crucial and that we are doing innovative and as a matter of fact, things that works for us. So there's no need for us to replicate, but instead highlight those really excellent, innovative ways that we've been doing the work. If I could just jump back in and say one of the things that it makes me think about is the Mira, as you and and Nicole were talking, it makes me think about how originally, of course, when we sort of imagined the demonstration initiative and we started looking for funding and we started thinking about it, we really were thinking about it from this very um, specific and narrow place of like sexual assault, not be like not having sexual assault survivors not having what they needed in dual and multi-service settings so it really was framed very much in this like sexual assault needs something different right then perhaps and it does a hundred percent but what we didn't flesh out at the at the beginning and should have is sexual assault in each community is also going to look different and so as much as we were imagining like you know an opportunity to uh like learn with and from the projects that were demonstration initiative sites. It wasn't until, um, you know, we started that work with them, including a tribal based program and including a culturally specific program that we began to really and truly understand the ways in which we had to shift the sort of way we even like were approaching it and thought about it. And that's always hard to shift when you're, initial focus right started here and so it took for for many of us I think it took a lot of reimagining and what where that ended up was here with Elevate Uplift I think. Thanks Kat. We talked about where Elevate Uplift started. We talked about the history behind the Sadie Project and now I think I would love to know um, from the four of you all what are some of the goals that you uh, have as a coalition, as the Elevate Uplift Coalition? What goals do you see for this organization? What would you like to see accomplished during your time here? I can go. Um, it may not be a gem, but it's uh, something. <laughs> You're a gem, so um, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that Elevate Uplift can create space for people to learn and grow. I hope Elevate Uplift can model um, ways that people doing anti-violence work can um, uplift culturally specific organizations and the least served survivors. Nope, that's not what I wanted to say. Um, sorry. Um, I hope that, um, yes, that, that Elevate Uplift can serve as a model for um, how to, to, to do work as mainstream programs and culturally specific programs. And I hope that we can also show how serving or trying to serve the least served survivor can can ensure that all survivors are served. And I also hope uh, we can create spaces for people in this movement to come together 
and talk about the things that we haven't talked about in the past to have real and true, honest communication and relationships. I can go. I think really, you know, I hope that we can deepen our relationship with each other, um, continue to grow our partnerships. So we are adding additional partners, um, to really make sure that, um, that we are as we try to be as inclusive and reflective of the of the survivors out there, right? Um, that really, if we want to be a project, a partnership, a collaborative that is rooted in healing, um, that lifts up the needs of sexual assault survivors, that our partnerships um, and the people at the table should reflect those communities. And so I hope we continue to develop that and keep moving in that direction, that we continue to have the hard conversations that help us to grow, right? Like all those like growing pains and all those like um, things that just make you stretch a little bit more um, and grow and grow the work and that we continue to uplift models and um, places of of healing and practice for um, ultimately for all survivors of sexual violence. You're okay. Sorry, I should have just unmuted myself all the way, and I was holding the space bar. And then <laughs> no, just, you're great. Oh. Um, one of the things that it does make me think about, though, is like we. Um, one of the things that we say really specifically about Elevate Uplift is that we engage with organizations to change practices and to expand our understandings of healing and offer learning opportunities, right, to help survivor serving agencies think really critically about how they do their work and the changes that are necessary. And I do feel like such a deep part of where we are right now is also doing that internally. Like this is not a, we've got the answers, here you go. Like this is what you do, you know, X, Y, Z or checklist or whatever. Like honestly, there isn't such a thing right now. And a deep part of what I feel excited about over the course of the next few years for this project and for this collaborative, right, of Elevate Uplift is being able to practice for ourselves what that looks like and also engage in deep conversations like that really surfaces the wisdom of the people in our communities who can tell us what like what that needs to look like um, in order for them to be able to access healing for, you know, for them to be able to come together in solidarity. And, and Mira, I think often about like your name and how it was like solidarity was literally in the name of your organization, right? Like there is this piece that I think we have been really clear about as we've transitioned from the demonstration initiative from Sadie um, into Elevate Uplift, which is like, we need each other. We need each other to heal. We need each other to do this work. We need each other to hold mm -hmm. each other accountable. We need each other to be in a community of practice. We need each other to ask good questions, right? right. Um, and so for me, that's the thing that I get excited about with Elevate Uplift. And, and I know we're going to dig far more deeply into this like in our next episode, but you know, with Elevate Uplift, doing that internal work, like it means we have to look at all of our structures and change them from the inside out. 
and we don't want to ask anybody else to do things we're not willing to do and we are right here for that in this Mm. moment and and I guess I just am really uh, like thinking about how often we I think are seen as technical assistance providers who somehow have Mm -hmm. answers right and what we really have and what I think we've all been super clear about is we have a lot Mm -hmm. of questions um, and opportunities for all of us to think together and and answer those questions in ways that help move us towards Mm. liberation I just love love the way that we're giving Meg some pleasure, ecstasy, joy, bliss, whatever that will be. Um, and basically, that's what I want. That's what I think this this project is all about, is bringing that back in. Yes. Right? Because when we think about sexual violence, it's something that saddens people. Yeah. But what we want, and when we're thinking about healing, when we're thinking about wellness, is we want that pleasure back. We want that joy back. We want that bliss, ecstasy back, right? So therefore, for me, it's like it's the same as like, we're not the expert, but we will just work with you, ask you hard questions, and you can ask us hard questions for us to move forward. Mm-hmm. So I, that is what I want. And to be honest with you, I want that that feeling that I've had in the very beginning of Elevate Uplift to come back, right? Uh, Right now, I think I'm in a very stagnant mode. So therefore, for me, I want that back. I want that back. Mm. So I think having this conversation is making me think, like, how do we do that? Right. Ask ourselves, who are feeling really all tired. Um, There's just a lot of us had been through so much this last few years. So now how then do we heal each other in some way, provide that wellness for each other? So, yeah. Absolutely. I saw, Nicole, you had a reaction on your face when you were like, when Mira said, like, I want that feeling when we first started and you were very affirming in your head nod. I wanted to check in and see if there was any language or words to that reaction or feeling. I think the last two years have done a number on our communities and on our organizations and on our, on us as human beings. And so um, I think it has been more challenging. And I think in a, in, you know, a, a partnership where, you know, given the process of the product and our, our work has been very relational and being in community with each other, which meant we were together physically together. Um, and we're still together over zoom every week, but it is not the same as sharing energy with someone. Um, and so I feel that so much, like it's not the same project it was two years ago. And in many ways it's better. And in some ways, um, we don't have the same relational pieces because we haven't been able to be in physical space. Um, and you know, one of the offerings of, you know, Sadie that grew into Elevate Uplift was this notion around beautiful questions. So like mm. Kat said, we don't have all the answers, but we have a lot of beautiful questions that we would love to be in community mm. with others around. Like, let's look at those, you know, beautiful questions um, and, and dream up the answers together. And, and the other thing is, you know, this is a federally funded project, which means we have all the restrictions that come with being a federally funded project. Um, 
And part of our work is also how do we shift the ideas of funders about how they are funding programs, who they are funding, what those restrictions and guidelines are. And so that has been a big part of our work too, is working with funders to have those conversations, to talk about racial equity, to talk about those hard things, to talk about, you know, anti-oppression, because they have a lot of power in deciding who gets um, access to resources and funding um, and who can ultimately do this work um, with with that funding, right? Some people don't want that funding and I completely respect that. Um, but I think that's also been a really big part of our work is trying to change the conversations, change the structures around funding. Totally so. And who gets to be a survivor and who gets to heal and who gets to, you know, um, uh, help create those narratives. And and then the other thing it made me think of, like, because, of course, like being in this group of people, part of what to me is getting back to that joy and that sense of like um, possibility is getting to just have also these opportunities where we're just talking with each other and my brain starts firing a million miles a minute because I'm like, oh yes, now I put that with this and I see over here. And so even Nicole, as you were saying that and, and Mira, you were bringing in the, like the need for joy, right? And the need to be like in community and, and how the last two years has taken away the ability for us to be in spaces together. It makes me think about how often we work with survivors and we talk about like the integrated body and mind healing and how for me I think a part of that is literally Carla and Nicole and Mira being in a space with you and letting our breath sink you know being in a space with you and like getting um, to hug each other being in a space with you and getting to like have those um opportunities where we're working deeply and thinking about things and having hard conversations and then we are also laughing hilariously and eating delicious food and we are you know making jokes but in all of that we come to this place of like literally our breath getting to sync up in ways that sometimes Nina you know has talked to us about how to do intentionally but that happens more naturally when we're all in spaces together right and and it just makes me think about uh, how much what you've said about this last two years um, holding so much disconnection makes me hungrier for more connection um, with each other and with the field. I think um, what Mira and Nicole said, and Kat also said, I feel like one of the goals of our project is to bring joy to people doing this work. And I think one of the things we, we, in this work, we are not afraid of having hard conversations. We do this work. We're not afraid of having hard conversations. We're not afraid of doing hard work, but how often do we have the opportunity to really connect with other human beings and examine how we do the work? And I think that's one of the gifts this, this project has given us. And I think the other thing when Kat was talking about, you know, good food and good people and laughter and hard conversations, 
what we've learned is if we don't bring our full selves to each other in trying to do the work, we don't succeed. Um, and so I think that's another thing we want to share with the field. Don't be afraid to be your full self in this work with survivors. Um, because that's truly the only way we're going to create meaningful change. And what I think a, another piece of that is that we're trying really hard to create organizations where people are allowed to bring their whole self. Because I also just want to acknowledge that it's, I like Carla, to yes. build on what you were saying, to like, you know, take that to the next level. There is the, um, the inner healing and inner ability to be authentic and to come to the, you know, sort of um, interactions with survivors and others. But that I also want to put in a context of that intersectionality and that reality that so many times people aren't able to bring their full selves even when they want to. And so there's the, Mm. it's both and. It's like we have to bring our full selves and we have to create organizations that allow people to bring their full selves by dismantling the systems of white supremacy that undergird sort of all of that. I want to find an applause button. I know there's one that exists on this, but I'm not going to push it, but I want to, because that is Carla and Kat, you brought in, I think the thing that I struggle with in the different industries that I operate in, you know, I do DEI work. I work in higher ed. I work with nonprofits and I've seen it across the board that, You know, we have great people working in these spaces. We have compassionate and loving and hardworking people, but they have been beaten down so much by the systems in place and the people that uphold those systems that are either ignorant or blind or profiting off of it so they don't care to change anything. And so I think it's so important to name that, that we have to, as organizations, do some rewiring and some rework together and i want to be clear that we have been those organizations who have harmed too like both and and we are working to figure out how to dismantle and change and you know create new possibilities processes practices policies all of those things and we have to be able to hold both of those things at the same time right like we spring forward and forth from as somebody was saying these funding systems right which put many of these things in place And we can be many things, and we are many things. You've been listening to Rooted in Healing with me, Meg Sunga. My guests this week were Mira Youssef, Nicole Matthews, Kat Fribley, and Carla Veerteller. The Rooted in Healing podcast is an Elevate Uplift production. It is hosted by Meg Sunga and produced by Idea Pig Productions. Show notes, research, and copy editing by Mary Taylor Coley. Mixing by Ngazi Kim. Special thanks to Elevate Uplift and our partners, the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition, the National Organization of Asian Pacific Islanders Ending Sexual Violence, the National Sexual Violence Resource Center, and the Resource Sharing Project. Stay rooted and follow us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. For transcripts, show notes, and additional resources, head to elevateuplift.org.